During this series over the last, you know, six weeks and 40 days in the Word, we've talked about several things, meaning like reading and studying and memorizing and interpreting the Bible. But you see, after it's all said and done, we have to choose if we are going to be living by God's Word and if we're truly going to integrate it into our lives. The word integration is defined as combining two parts to make them whole. And in this case, you're taking the word of God and combining it with you so that you can become whole. It also implies that you, without the word of God, are not whole, which means that you cannot go about life without God's word. The word integrating is a verb. It is an action, and it requires for us to do something. It is a part of the Bible where we become doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. And I started to think, is that why is it so hard for us as a society to really be followers and doers of the word? I mean, we all know that it's good for us, so then why don't we do it more? And it occurs to me that there's so many influences out there that we need to change. We need to change our perspective on so many things before we can even start to integrate God's word into our lives. And one of the things that we need to change our perspective on is this belief that if we integrate God's word and do what it says into our lives, that we will live dull and boring lives. As if God is this cosmic killjoy that goes around saying, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. You see, many people relate the Bible as just a manual full of rules. But his word is filled with love for us. So I invite you this morning to start to fall in love with it if you already aren't or if you haven't. You know, there are so many promises for our lives, so many stories that can encourage us. And in fact, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training. So you see, it doesn't really matter what place you find yourself in right now. God's word can give you hope. It can encourage you and help us overcome temptation and find victory over depression. Give us confidence in witnessing and counseling and instructing others because his God, his word, God's word is filled with God's truth. It's not just a book of rules. It is God's love letter to you. And we first need to change our perspective on what God's word means to us if we are to truly integrate it in our daily lives. The second thing I think we need to change in order for us to integrate God's word into our lives is this this belief that we want it here and now. We have to exchange this short-term view for a long-term outlook. You see, we all can relate to this. We live in a society where instant gratification rules our lives. I mean, we have on-demand TV. I don't know when was the last time I saw a commercial. I think it was the Super Bowl. But beyond that, I haven't seen commercials in a long time. We have ultra-fast internet speeds that allow us to multi-stack and uh, task and have so many windows open. And uh, do you guys even remember the days of dial-up when you would dial up the line and it would ring? And can you guys even imagine having to deal with that today? We would never do that today. And, of course, we have surgeries that can make us look instantly better. I mean, it's no wonder why we come to God and we pray and then we get discouraged because we don't receive quick answers. We come to him and we say, God, I have this thing that I need to do tomorrow. So I need you to do this thing for me tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow. And then God doesn't come through for us, of course. And we don't get the answer that we want and we start to doubt our faith. We start to doubt if God is even listening to us. Folks, I've seen answers to prayers that have taken years 
some even decades. Some of them, I haven't even received the response yet. They're still not answered. But I've also seen prayers that are answered instantly. I've also seen miracles. But for the most part, they've all taken time to develop. I mean, how many of you guys have taken a look at your 401ks lately? They look dismal, right? They look horrible because we're looking at like, man, the last three years were horrible. The last five years were horrible. But if you start looking long-term, like all investors tell us, not to look at it just today, but look over the last 10 years, the last 20 years, or whatever it is, you can start to see some of the returns. So if you didn't get the answer to prayer that you wanted today or yesterday, then you have to ask yourself, can you see the returns or the fruit of God's word in your life over your relationship in the long term with him? See, it is then that you will start to see that God has always been with you. Sometimes it's hard to see that instantly, which is what we're always looking for. But you see, God's love letter to us provides us lifelong encouragement and instruction. And his promises hold true today and tomorrow and forevermore. So we must rid ourselves of this mentality that fits God into our box. We want God to fit into our box. But you see, our box is very limiting to God. So we need to start to recognize that our Lord is interested in a long-term relationship with us and not just being our personal genie. So we need to exchange this short-term view for this long-term outlook. So before we can start to integrate God's word into our lives, we need to take inventory today and make sure that we are viewing God's word as it is intended, a love letter to us, and exchange our short-term outlook for a long-term outlook. And we need to be careful not to integrate the world's view into our lives. In a country where 80% of Americans call themselves Christians, we need to be careful not to be Christians by name alone. I mean, it is one thing to be a Christian and to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, but it is another to allow God's truth, His truth to work into our lives on a daily basis in a way that will glorify God. Can you imagine... Just imagine with me for just one second what this world would look like if all Christians in America, just America, forget the world, just America would integrate God's word into our lives. And in one scripture, let's take Micah 6, 8, where it says, he has showed you, oh man, that's all of us, what is good and what does the Lord require? He requires for you to do justice and to love mercy and kindness and to walk humbly with our God. If we all did that in America, would our society be more just? Would we have less wars? Would our families be stronger and more peaceful? Would our workplaces be more productive and maybe even deliver a better quality product? So how do we start to integrate God's word into our lives? Well, I have to tell you that the first thing has to be, that we have to all start with is that it starts with desire. If you have no intention, if you really don't have a desire to be a man or a woman of the word, then it's just not going to happen. It starts with desire. In fact, Psalm 119 verse 20 says, What I want most of all and at all times is to honor your laws. This verse is saying that whether you're at work or you're at home or you're playing with your kids or you're on the golf course, whatever it may be that we want a life to be led and guided and directed by the word of God. So what I want to show you this weekend is a couple of steps and scriptures that will help us integrate God's word into our lives. 
And the first thing that we have to do, if we're going to integrate God's word into our lives and become doers of the word, is that we have to build on it. I have to build on it. In other words, you build a foundation for your life based on the Bible. Because whatever your foundation is, and all builders here and architects know that whatever your foundation is will determine how big the structure can be on top of it. And this is what Jesus talks about in Matthew seven twenty four, where he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. We have to decide for us today what foundation we want for our lives. You know, this concept of building a solid foundation is true in every aspect of our lives, whether it's business or playing a sport or whatever. I mean, if you're training for a marathon, you just don't show up the day of the marathon. If you do, there's two things that are going to happen. You're either going to quit or you're going to get seriously hurt. No, instead, if you have to build up to the long race, you have to build a solid foundation so that you can sustain yourself through that whole process. And in business, before you go out and you offer a service or a product, you have to build a solid foundation or a business plan. And then you build on it and you refine it and you improve it and you perfect it again to maximize your return. And in all of these cases, and also in the race of life, you are at a disadvantage if you don't have that solid foundation. If we build a solid foundation, then when things go wrong and the struggles of life come, then we won't be blown away. That's what the scripture is telling us after we keep reading on Matthew 7, 24. This means that your, your life, you're building your life on the word of God, even, and here's the, here's the key, even if you don't like it. You build your life on the word of God, even if it's not convenient or politically correct for you. We have to decide to have the Bible as our final authority on all matters instead of any other influence in your life. And after you start to build on it, the second thing you have to do is that you have to feed on it. You have to feed on the Bible to get the strength that you need. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Word of God is spiritual food. In fact, it uses several pictures for it. The Bible describes itself as the water, the milk, the bread, the meat of spiritual life. So that's everything that you and I are going to need for sustenance. And in real life, for our physical beings, we need all the five basic food groups. Well, if we need those for our physical being, how much more do we need God's word for spiritual food? Matthew 4.4 tells us that it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, there's a verse that we looked at in our C, a verse that we looked at in our C groups a couple of weeks ago, and it is from Colossians 3.16. And it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, let it move into you. Let it inhabit you. Let it take up residence in a rich, profound, and life-giving way. That's what this verse is saying. I mean, again, no one would ever show up to run a marathon or play a rigorous sport malnourished because we know that the outcome is not going to be good. But that is exactly what we do sometimes. That is exactly how we go through our lives sometimes. We go through life spiritually malnourished. And then things hit us and we can't last or we quit or give up, get discouraged, depressed, because we're not letting, we're not feeding on the word of God. 
Because just like you need physical food for your physical strength, you have to have spiritual food for your spiritual strength. So you have to be feeding yourself constantly all of the time. So not only are we to feed on it, but to integrate God's word into our lives, we have to live by it. We have to live by the word of God. You know, the word of God is not only food for our soul. It also sets the standard by which you judge everything else of value in your life. It is the standard by which you make decisions for the things that you are facing right now. And all of us are facing something. And the reason people make decisions that are inconsistent with God's word is because somewhere along the way, they developed a different standard or maybe even a double standard. And whether you recognize it or not, you are building your life on something. Because we all base our decisions on something. So I would encourage you today that you would allow God's word to become the standard by which you live. The Bible says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but who meditates on the word of God. This means that if you want your life to be blessed, you don't build your life on the counsel of the world, but instead you meditate and build your life on the way that God thinks. You know, the counsel of the ungodly, I mean, that's the stuff that we hear about all the time. It's on television and movies and print media. I mean, it's a talk that goes around around us all over the world. It is the value system of the world. And I'm telling you, how can we integrate God's word into our lives if it is competing with the influences of the world, if it is competing with these shiny things of the world? Can you guys imagine with me for a minute what your life would look like if you build your life upon pop culture or ABC, CBS, or cable TV? I mean, if that was the case, Hollywood's formula for relationships would tell you that if you want to be happy, you have four things that you have to do. Step one, you find the right person. Step two, you fall in love. Step three, you live happily ever after by putting all your hopes and your dreams on that person. I mean, there's, there's songs about this. People write songs and sing about this stuff all the time. There's one that says, one, you make my dreams come true, two... No? Nobody knows it? Yeah, you know it. That's right. Nobody wants to sing it. I understand. But step four says, if you're not living happily ever after and failure occurs, then just repeat steps one, two, and three. Over and over again, as long as it takes, whether it's ten times or a dozen times, it doesn't really matter. That is the world system for us. But what instead of pop culture, our lives would be based on our emotions? Can you imagine making decisions in our daily lives based on the, the ups and downs of our emotions? What would I like our life look like? But you see, that's what we do sometimes. Because the world tells us to do whatever makes you happy. So we need to be careful that the world is not dictating how we live our daily lives because doing so doesn't leave any room for God's word. And the Bible says that if you want your life to be blessed, you don't build your life based on worldly counsel. The world isn't going to give you hope. It's not going to give you comfort. It's not going to give you strength or wisdom or guidance, at least none that will last. The only thing that is going to give you all of those things is the word of God, and it's going to last. Can I get an amen for that? You guys didn't convince me. 
Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. He says, this is the reason that I've hidden your word. That is what memorizing the Bible is all about. It's about hiding it and taking it into our hearts. And do you guys remember the story in Matthew 4 when Jesus was tempted? There were three times that Satan came to Jesus. And every single time, the way that Jesus would defend himself, he would say, it is written. That's the only thing that Jesus used to defend himself. So if you want to be like Christ, then I'm going to ask you to defend yourself the way that he did. That's why God wants us to remember his word in our hearts and to put it and to memorize it. And then to be led by that standard. To allow that to be the standard for our lives. So that we can fight the good fight of faith. I mean, it can be practical too. For instance, if you take the fruit of the spirit, one of those is love. And then you say, well, what is love? So you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and then it gives you 15 definitions of what love is. So men, if you say that you love your wives, and you're not doing the first two, which is patience and kindness, then it makes you take inventory, doesn't it? That is how we live by the word. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It just means that we're going to try to do our best to live by the word. The fourth thing that we have to do is we have to grow through it. When the truth is planted in your heart, if it finds good soil, it grows and then it produces fruit. And in order to have fruit in your life, you have to have an open heart. You have to be receptive and you have to have good soil in your life. The fourth verse that we looked at when we memorized earlier this month in our C groups was Psalm 119.18. And it says, open the eyes, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. You know, there's a lot of wonderful things in the Bible. There's so many promises for us daily, but we can't see them unless we're receptive. So if I'm going to become a man or woman of the word, we have to be open to it. That means, like I said earlier, even when we don't like it, We have to be open to it, that we're going to listen to it. Jesus told a whole story about this. It is found in Luke chapter 8, and it is called the parable of the soils. He says, a farmer goes out and sows seed, and he basically scatters seed, and it falls on four different kinds of soil, and it gets four different kinds of results. The soil represents the four different attitudes that you and I can have towards the Bible. The first is the hardened soil. The hardened soil in the story represents a closed mind. I mean, sometimes we don't even give God a chance to talk to us because our minds are already made up. Our hearts are hardened and we're not even willing to listen anymore. We say things like, I don't want to hear what God has to say about my boyfriend because I like my boyfriend. I don't want to hear what God has to say about my dad because that's already happening. What am I supposed to do? I don't want to hear what God has to say about sex because... I don't want to hear what God has to say about sex. I don't want to have to hear what God has to say about this or that because I've already got my mind made up. Folks, that is a closed mind. And a narrow footpath is narrow and is hardened. And that's the way a lot of people's minds are. They're narrow-minded and they're hard-minded. So the first action is to cultivate an open mind. If we are going to let God's truth really change our lives, we have to be open to it. 
Then Jesus said that the second kind of soil that the farmers throw seed on is the shallow soil. And that represents a superficial mind. You know, sometimes we react superficially to the Bible. We go to church and we say, man, that was a good sermon. Maybe not today, you're not going to say that, but maybe other days you said, man, that was a good sermon. And you get excited and you get emotional and you're moved impulsively. But we don't really, really, really let it take the time to sink in. And it never really penetrates the bedrock of our personality. And I know none of us here want to be superficial. Well, then the action or the remedy is making time for God's word. I mean, if we just do a little quick glance at the word and we don't gaze at it or we don't even give it the time to build any roots, then nothing's going to happen because roots take time to develop. And with no roots, there is no fruit. So the third soil is the soil with the weeds. And the soil with the weed represents preoccupied minds. In other words, we see the, the seed that God gives us, which is the truth, and he plants it into our minds and into our hearts. And our job is to just let it sit there and have it grow. But then other things comes along and it chokes it out. Things like worry and busyness and money troubles and job issues, and all these other things, the weeds choke it out, and we get preoccupied, and we can't really do anything with it, because all circuits are busy of our lives, and that's why we really can't hear God, so the action here is to, it's easy, eliminate the distractions, all of us need to work on eliminating distractions, if we truly are going to let God's word be integrated into our lives. You know, after being up here for a few years and also being in ministry for a while, I am honestly convinced that the big sin of Christians in Southern California is not this, it's not addiction or immorality or it's not this big, evil, wicked, mean and bad, nasty, kind of in your face sin. That's not our sin in Southern California. The big sin of you and me is that we're too busy. Because we all fill our lives with things that really aren't that important according to God. And of course, if we don't have time in our schedule, then how is God going to work with us? I am absolutely convinced that you and I could probably eliminate about 50% of the things that we're doing right now. And if we did that, we'd be physically healthier, emotionally healthier, and even spiritually healthier. Because most people are trying to do too much, too quickly, and your life is completely crammed. And then we justify and say, we're doing it for the kids, or we have to do it because I need to build this, and I need to build that, and usually it's revolving wealth. And when you get too many irons on the fire, then we tend to put the fire out. We walk around tired all the time because we're trying to do things that God never asked you to do or expected you to do. Your mind is preoccupied. And then it's like we come to God and we say, I'm ready for you right now. I have 30 seconds before my next appointment. You have anything for me? No? Okay, I'll see you later. Until the next time. It even sounds silly, doesn't it? It's not going to work. That's the soil with the weeds, preoccupation. We must eliminate all those distractions. Then Jesus says that there's a fourth kind of soil. The good soil represents a willing mind. 
That's where the seed of truth gets planted in our brain, in our hearts, and it is allowed to grow and develop. It gets roots, and then it bears fruit. That is a willing mind. A willing mind says, God, I am willing to learn. I am teachable, and I am humble. Man, how hard is it to say that I am humble? Father, you are God, and I am not. I don't know everything, so please teach me. So the action here is to cooperate with what God says, which leads us to our fifth action step. If you want to be a man or woman of the word, you have to build on it. You have to feed on it. You have to live by it. You have to grow through it. And number five is that you have to act on it. And that's what we're talking about today, being a doer of the word. In fact, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I mean, if we go to church and it's going in one ear and out the other and we're not really listening to it, then the Bible says that we're living a life of deception. I mean, we think that because we've written down some notes and that we, that we actually got it. No, we don't really get it because we only believe the parts of the Bible that we actually do. And we've said that before. We only believe the parts of the Bible that we actually do. We spent six weeks talking about how to write personal application, how to personalize and paraphrase, and how to probe and pronounce, and all of those things we also talked about in our C groups. And there's only one thing left to do if we're going to be letting God's word really penetrate our hearts and we start being a doer of the word. And we can live a life that has an integrated life of integrity, and that is to trust in it. I have to trust in it. For all of this to work, we have to trust in God's word. But let me tell you, God is never going to guide you in the wrong direction. We know that other people will. Even well-meaning people. I've had dear friends of mine give me advice that was wrong. And I'm sure you can relate to that too. Even well-meaning people will often steer you in the wrong direction. But you know who will never do that? God will never do that. You can always trust him. If he tells you to go that way, then you better go that way because it's always the right way. It's going to be the best way, even if it's hard, even if it's uphill. If he tells you to go that way, then go that way because that's where he wants you to be. And let me tell you, it's going to cause a whole lot less problems if you do that. And then Psalm 119, 105 was our memory verse for this week. And it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet. It is like a flashlight that shows the path ahead of you. Do you guys here ever feel like you're in the dark? I mean, I think all of us probably have at some point or another. And some of you may be thinking, I don't have the slightest idea of what I'm supposed to do about this relationship. I don't have the slightest idea of what I'm supposed to do about my kid that's not doing the right thing. I don't have the slightest idea whether I should accept this job or take this move. I don't have the slightest idea where I should invest next or what I'm going to do with my life for the next five years. That means we're confused. That's what's called being in the dark. So the Bible here tells us what to do when we feel like we're in the dark. The verse tells us to flip on the light. 
This is why we need to memorize this verse because it is a promise from God. And the next time you feel like you're in the dark, you can raise out and try to reach out to God and say, Father, your word says, your promise says that your word will be light unto my path. And if you do that, you will have amazing results. God always keeps his promises. And if you start reading his word and you start telling him, God, show me the way, man, that is what integrating God's word into your life is really all about. And as we work on integrating his word into our lives, let me remind that it starts with a desire. And today I'm going to ask you to respond to God's word by taking inventory in your heart and ask yourselves, are you the hardened soil? Are you the superficial soil? Are you the preoccupied soil? You could be one of those three, or you could be all three, but you can't be all four. And the fourth one is, are you the willing soil? Which one are you? You have to be one today. I want to encourage you to commit, whether you are one of the three, but at least today, start today whom you will serve and take it a step further. Start today by choosing to live by God's word and to integrate it into your life. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we are just grateful for your word this morning, Father, for it speaks truth into our lives. Father, I also want to thank you for your word. Lord, I, I thank you that it calms our fears. Lord, that it enlightens our mind, that it strengthens our will, that it grows our maturity. Father, I thank you, Lord, that it calms our worries and that it leads us in the dark. Father, all the things that your word does, we want to commit to being part of an ongoing process of continuing in your word. And then, then if there's some of you here today with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you want to commit, and if God is tugging at your heart right now to start today to be the willing soil, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to make you get up or anything. I just want, if, you, if God is asking you to commit to him today to do that, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you. I see your hand. You can, you can put it back down. Amen. Lord, I just ask that as people are answering your tug this morning, Father, I ask that you would, Father, be a light onto their path. Lord, that you would show them every day which direction you want them to go in, Father. That as they open your word, Father, that your word would come alive and speak into their hearts, Lord. I ask that your church today, as they walk out of these doors, Lord, there would be a different people as a result of hearing your word today. Lord, I dedicate this service to you. And it is in the beautiful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.